Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms. And we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on Anfield Index Pro, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Downey and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Liverpool 5 to lose 1 in the Europa League from Anfield are Dave Hendrick and Guy Drinkle as a panellist, which is fun for this evening. Dave, I hope I'm not cutting across your sandwich-eating time here, but I do want to just get a quick take from you. Myself and Guy were having a wee chat before you came online there, and the basic gist of what we were saying was um, it was sort of uh, headless at times, but also quite fun at times. Yeah. And I guess if we're, if we're going to be in this competition, it is nice to have a bit of crack with it. And there were, I had a few great laughs tonight and uh, actually got excited about the goals and stuff like that. So, I mean, I'll take that. All day. Oh, entirely. That was a fun game of football for the for the majority. Like they're not a good team. They're a mid-table French team, which is what they were last season and what they are again this season. But they're well coached. They're well organized. They're well set up. They're aggressive. They're ambitious. They came to play a game. They didn't come to avoid a hammering. So they made it as much of a game as we did. And there was some really exciting things to see tonight, like two new left-backs getting minutes. And I thought both of them had maybe one mistake each. And aside from that, I thought they equipped themselves quite well. It was really nice to see Jarrell Kwanzaa get another run out and again look good. I thought we got, by a country mile, the best performance we've seen yet in a red shirt from Waturo Endo. 
I thought we got the best performance we've seen yet in a red shirt from Ryan Gravenberg, who took over the game for about 15 minutes in the first half and broke the game wide open. It went from 1-1 to 3-1 because that kid decided, hang on a second, I might be the best player on the pitch. Let me go on and see. Oh, I am the best player on the pitch, and now I'm going to stamp my authority on this. And it, that was good to see. And there was some good moments from Darwin. There was some good moments from Curtis. There was good moments from Jota. I thought Harvey had a quieter game, but still did his job. And then obviously we get to see Mo come off the bench where I would bet, I would be willing to bet a significant portion of money that he has sat there from minute one, right up until the moment Klopp has brought him on, pestering the manager to be allowed onto the field. Because as soon as he scored his goal, he just turned around with a big smile and pointed at Jürgen. And Jürgen was there with a big smile thinking, <laughs> yeah, well, you're lucky you scored, you bastard. It, it was great. Like, it was fun. And, like, it wasn't like it was one-sided. You know, they got their goal. They easily could have got one more, probably two more, which maybe would have been a fairer reflection on the overall balance of the game, like a 5-2, maybe even a, a 6-3. Because it was a bit wild, like defending was a bit secondary for for both teams at times. Even with their back five, they were still committing players into attack and leaving themselves open at the back at times. So, yeah, no, I I very much enjoyed it. And like you said, we're, we're in this competition, so we might as well win it. We might as well have a bit of fun along the way. Yeah, and that seems to be very much the case. And a few absolute fun things to talk about as we go along. And guy, Dave makes an interesting point when it comes to the presence of Toulouse in the game. I mean, they were a constant threat um, to us, seemed to be able to play through us with a single pass uh, with comparative ease, uh, also looked dangerous when they ran at us. In other words, both, most, most attacking things seem to be... Um, if a, a, a little bit of a bother to us. And if you look at the match stats compared, for example, to the weekend where we simply outplayed Everton on every single metric you can imagine. Everton with the least amount of passes, I think, in a Premier League game. But it's much different today. They did manage nine shots there at 21. They managed three on target there and nine. They had 37% of the ball and played almost, well, over half the amount of passes we did, 640 to 384. Um, and, I mean, I think stats only tell so much of the story, but you have to give them a little bit of credit. You also, and one of the things I'm looking forward to chatting with the two of you gents about this evening is uh, our continual uh, uh, tactical experimentation. And there were times tonight when I, I honestly thought we looked mental. Uh, the shape of the team looked absolutely fucking mental. Um, and again, these are things that we can try it in the Europa League and still have a little bit of hashtag fun along the way. And most stat padding at the end certainly is one of those things that you get a giggle out of. I did love the fact that Mo came on and probably had the worst performance I've ever seen him have, and then just score a goal like that, and it's like, yeah. He didn't even look like he could be asked to touch the ball. I think he may have just been waiting for a penalty or something. Um, but no, yeah. I, it, it, it's strange in the Europa League, because like, it, it's the group stage that's the issue, I think, for quite a lot of people when, when we come into it, but 
<clears throat> you do get to play different teams. Like it's been fun playing Saint Gilwas and, and and Toulouse. I can't remember who the hell else is in that group. Um, last, 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 that's it. Jesus Christ. Um, so it has been it's fun to play these different teams, and it, as you say, Toulouse did have a go, and they did show Liverpool can be got at, especially when it's a team that's not really played played together. Um, and it it did make it a bit of a basketball game, and it it was fun, but. I think our quality did just show. Um, you mentioned stats there. XG-wise, we had 2.79 to uh, 0.93, so we obviously had the upper hand in terms of going forward. Um, but it wasn't one of those... That the Everton game was dour. It was awful. Um, but Toulouse took their moments, um, whereas Everton didn't have any moments, and that's why it was a better game of football. Am I right in saying, Guy, as well, that if we manage to repeat the result, not the score necessarily, but repeat the result against Toulouse in our next outing, that we are unassailable at the top of that group? Is that correct? Have I done the sums right? Uh, we are six, no, five points ahead of you, Union and Toulouse. But I, uh, I can't, I never remember if these are head to head or goal difference or what it's head to head is it head to head mm. so i think we'd need like a one more point and we're through we need four we need four more points we beat to lose away we need one point from our last two games we've got union to, away to be, we've, well, to be certain yeah win the next game and we're we're guaranteed qualification yeah. but you want to top the group because if you don't top the group and you finish second you get one of the teams that have fallen in out of the champions league and you've got to yeah. play an extra round of games. Otherwise, yeah. you get a longer break, and you're straight into the round of 16, which is obviously and not home. more favourable. And it and could get, be severe. It could be severe. It could be severe. They're lurking around there in the they third place. They are shite. Well, doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, they don't. Unai's not there, so perhaps I don't know. It's 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 an odd one. And actually, Dave, now that you're on about it, Carl mentioned something on the today, which actually put the heart crossways in me. I did not know about this daft. There's some sort of fucking weird playoff thing. Is that right? What's that about? So that's the knockout round. That's basically the teams finishing second versus the teams who finished third in the Champions League. They okay. come in. They play each other. And then the winner of those ties goes on to meet the group winners from the Europa. So by winning the group, we just avoid that mess and we get to just sit and wait and yeah. see who we get. I get you. I get you. But we're likely then to get a Champions League team, theoretically, in inverted commas, hmm. in the next round. That's basically what we're talking about. Okay. Good okay. Man United. Yeah, very interesting. Very interesting. Anyway, let's get back to this evening's fair. Um, we still have to go away and do the business in Toulouse and no Liverpool it might not necessarily be that straightforward for us um, in terms of how the group ends it would be lovely to be uh, able to pull up with a game left or, or even two games left depending on how the other results go but we'll see how that goes in terms of tonight's uh, selection Dave we're not let's not let's not fool ourselves I think the three of us can say we won't fool ourselves by saying we're going to talk too much about what Toulouse put out we know who they are. We know what they are. I went through it with um, Dave Davis in, 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 in our show last night. I heard you you guys going through unscouted. Uh, we know what position they're in. We know what kind of results they're having. And 
uh, their recent history and all the rest of it, but we won't bother too much with their lineup because, to be perfectly honest, the names, whether they mean a whole lot to you or me, and they don't mean a lot to me, certainly will mean very little, I think, to the vast majority of people listening who yeah, will probably be in the same. There was four players from them I was looking forward to seeing, and two of them weren't in the squad, and the other one was on the bench and didn't come on till late. So shows how much I knew about what they were going to do. What was Magri one of those? Uh, Magri was one. Uh, Abuklal was another. He wasn't in the squad. Yeah. Uh, Sissoko was another. He wasn't in the squad. And then uh, Delinga, the kid, the kid that scored. I was looking forward to seeing what he was like because he had a great season with Excelsior in the second division in um, in the Netherlands, and everybody was kind of saying, "Oh, he he might be one that in a couple of years might be a Premier League caliber player, not not a Liverpool caliber player, but you know, he's the type of player that." A Brentford or a Brighton will, will find and buy for five million and then he might be worth 50 million. Um, and then Man United will buy him and he'll be garbage there. That, that sort of trajectory for him. Right. Um, and then he looked decent when he, when he played tonight, to be fair. Yeah, certainly took his, took his opportunity well. Um, we went this evening, Dave, with, uh, Cuevin Kelleher, um, uh, Trent Gomez Matip and, uh, Luke Chambers got his run. Uh, the midfield most people predicted was the midfield with Gravenberg, Endo and Jones and lots to say about those three as we go. Nice to see Harvey Elliott getting a game where he is at his best um, alongside Nunes and Jota up top. Our bench is absurdly strong but also contains Scanlon and McConnell and Kwanzaa who are gone go-to substitutes for Klopp this evening, which was nice to see rather than using some of the more tried and trusted. It was nice to be able to be in a position to bring on uh, Scanlon, to be bring on McConnell, um, Gerald Kwanzaa to get a couple of minutes as well. Uh, in terms of the lineup, there's not a whole lot to say about it. What I would like to talk about, well, for, maybe you've got some selection points you want to make, but what I would like you to just spin around towards, if you wouldn't mind, because it's going to be where we kind of start our chat is... Um, the, the we're we're going to insist on this fucking experimentation, aren't we? Um, uh, this this um, ongoing uh, tactical um, galaxy brain uh, idea, mm. and when you see. Trent literally standing in the middle of the park or splitting the centre halves and never ever being in the right back position, it, it's a worry, especially when you've got a kid playing left back, making his debut. It's a bit odd. It's a bit odd. Um, but anyway, that's the way Jurgen chose to went. What would go with it? What, what was your take on that, on that and, and, and how it, it, it unfolded with that initial line up in the opening goings? Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. You know, I didn't mind it so much when it was Chambers because he has played left side of a back three. Um, when he was up on loan in Scotland, he played a couple of games there. 
and he's he's big enough and strong enough, and I, I think it, it it suits him maybe a bit more. Though the knock I have on it is always how much we're asking that left back to do. Like we're not just asking them to be a left side centre back on the ball and a left back off the ball. We're also asking them from that left sided centre back role to bomb forward and provide width. Like we're asking for trouble doing that. It happens when we have Robbo, it happens when we have Costas, it happened tonight when we had Chambers. We leave ourselves exposed. We're asking too much of that left back and too much of the full back of the centre backs. Because you're leaving two centre backs with the entirety of the pitch to cover and you're not protecting them well enough. Now Endo gets stuck in, but Trent doesn't. And like the dribbled pass numbers for Trent this season, and in truth since he went into that role, are terrifying. Like mm. he, he's He's literally getting run past as if he's not there a lot of the time. So that's my bigger gripe with it. Now, what I didn't like was when Gomez was right back and Scanlon was left back. I didn't, I don't see the point in us doing it then. Like Joe Gomez isn't Trent. So stop asking him to be Trent when he plays right back. Let him be Joe Gomez. Let him hold the width, play as a traditional fullback and get forward on the overlap. He doesn't look entirely comfortable moving into that central area and receiving the ball with his back turned to the majority of the play. And Callum Scanlon, it's very clear the kid has a lot of talent, but it's also very clear that if you categorize fullbacks as, say, you know, fullback centre-back types like a Gomez, like a Scanlon, like a Ben White or a Dan Byrne type, or you classify them as kind of fullback, wingback types like Robbo, like Trent has been, like Reese James, like Chilwell, like Marcelo, and, and so on and so on. Scanlon is very much that latter type. He's very much an attack-minded left-back. And yet you're asking him to slot into that centre-back role, which, like, I thought he did quite well when he came on and he, and he played a big part in the fifth goal. But I I think you're hamstringing him. You're 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 neutering him basically, and you're neutering Joe Gomez. I, th- I thought we would have looked a lot better just sticking with a traditional back four once Trent went off the pitch. Um, I, I don't like the sh- the shape anyway. I'm not a big fan of this three box three. It's it's a little too Dutch for my liking, and it's a little bit too Louis Van Gaal for my liking, but. I am a fan of the box midfield, and I do think Trent could be great in a double pivot with the right partner, but I'd still want a back four behind him. You know, I'd still want yeah. those traditional fullbacks get to, to provide me my width. So I, I do, I, I don't know. Like I said this to you last season, I, we were, we were getting results and we're getting results now. We're playing better now, obviously, than we did the end of last season, but it still feels like to me, like we're, we're basically a, almost a cheap city cover act, not even a cheap one, like just a, a you know a, a decent city cover act that might play at the round o or something of a, of a Friday night, as opposed <laughs> yeah, know, to being yeah. Liverpool and playing, you know, at, at the Point Theatre on a on a Saturday night. You know, I'd rather us be us than try and be something else. This this team, again, the results have been good. 
some of the performances have been good, not all of them. It just, it doesn't really feel to me, having watched his entire career as a manager, like a Jurgen Klopp team. It feels far more like, it feels far more like Pep and Linder's influence than Klopp's influence. It's also very wide open at times. And when you look at the goal we did concede, uh, Trent is the deepest man playing the guy on side. And again, I don't know what that speaks to, but it certainly isn't tactical now. And you can, you can't convince me of anything else. I, I, I just don't, I don't understand it. I don't really understand the obsession with it. Um, maybe if Trent was really on top form, it would be different. If he was really buzzing, if he was really in his zone, um, it would be different and we could see the upside of it like we did in those games when he was really flying. Um, in towards the end of last season but at the moment yeah it 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 has me puzzled and it does leave us i think looking a bit more open than i would like and guy i suppose what we can do is maybe uh, get started into the game because this is going to seem like so much griping from me because I mean, 33 minutes were three up. So let's just take the first two goals you and I in that opening part of the game. Um, I mean, it's a nondescript opening six or seven minutes, if we're being perfectly honest. Not a whole lot of a whole lot happens. But the goal, when it goes in, um, is quite delightful in the way that it works. It's just a lovely bit of determination, a turn um, just north of the middle of the park by Jota. He drives and drives at the at the at their box, into their box unusually for Jota sort of eases past the man seems to nutmeg him actually if we're being perfectly honest and moves the ball sort of out of his out of his feet and to the right so he can hit back across the ball and into the far corner I mean it's the kind of goal you dream of scoring but if I'm being perfectly honest I was listening to the BT commentary and they were talking about silky skills and all the rest of it but that now reminds me of the goals I used to score when I played five a side no one could ever accuse me of being silken skilled. You could say that actually for an hour lad, I was very pacey and I wasn't a, a bit of, a, you know, I have a bit of strength about me. I used to put my head down and run a goal. And then at some point you'd, you'd try to make contact with the best of your ability and aim at the general direction of the goal. And I'm not trying to take away from J- what Jota did, but it did have a little bit of a sense of that more so than anything else. If the nutmeg's intentional, I take it all back. I think it was more incidental. It's a great finish, though, and that's what that kid does best. He gets his head down, he bulls, bull drives a goal, and he does make things happen when he's on his best uh, behavior. We're just going to take the rest of these little incidents here, if you don't mind, because what we'll do is we'll take it up. You know what we'll do? We'll take it up to one all, because we do have a couple more chances. I think there were two blocked sh- uh, shots. Um, I'm not sure. Certainly one of our center halves had a shot. I think it was Joe had a shot. Then there was another one. And then Darwin had a shot, led to a corner, which nothing came from. That's on 13 minutes. And then on the 15 minute mark, and we will pause it here, we actually go 1-1. We concede. It's a simple enough ball through. Now, you can see why it's worked the way it's worked. Chambers is well up the field. Joe Gomez comes in towards the ball, uh, goes to the ball, uh, and it's a straightforward kind of a pass into a little bit of space. The linger runs onto it. Um, and as he bears down on Quevy and Kelleher, he finishes apparently underneath him. I'd like a uh, big Quevy to do a lot more than mm-hmm. that. Um, I know, I think you would as well. Um, maybe Dave will have a different opinion in terms of harshness, but I just, we're so spoiled with Alison. I mean, you don't beat Alison that way. And, um, I suppose it just left a little bit of a sour taste, but worse again, I think 
was the way we were so open. So just around those opening 15 minutes, our goal and our concession, anything you want to pick up on there in terms of incidents? Yeah, I'll start with Jota's goal. I mean, it is it it is lovely from him, but I, I love his commitment to the meme of just half the time looking like a lad who's never played football before. And then he'll pop up and do something like that, whether it's by accident, by design, by possession from a ghost, I don't care. He's a very strange player, and sometimes he's the most frustrating player, and then sometimes he does stuff like that, and it it, it was a lovely run. The, the nutmeg's fantastic, but the thing the things that I think kind of drew annoyance from Jota, maybe more so this season, obviously, he's had spells where he's been bloody fantastic but this season he either seems to like break play all around him um, but in that moment picks up the ball deep and then he just just runs at the, the their goal I think the defence is a bit shit to be fair, I think that's fair to say but he does everything right and that's what we that's how we should be probably treating this Europa League group stage especially is just Get our superior players, not to be disrespectful, but they are. We're fucking Liverpool. This is a team full of Liverpool players. Your superior players, run at them, score, try and get it done early. And that's kind of how we did. A goal under 10 minutes, it's what you want. Um, But moving on to their goal, I mean, in terms of uh, talking about shit defence, we kind of uh, went one step further (laughs) with that one. Gomez kind of lost rushing out, I think it was. Chambers had the player, then either it was his decision or maybe Gomez's decision to tell him to push on to the further wide player. Um, I, I'm guessing that was just a breakdown in communication or it might have just been a, head, a brain fart by um, by Chambers, um, but it was a bit of a mess. I wouldn't blame him because well, he's 19 and it's his first start. Uh, Trent, considering... He is the captain of the night, and we he's the one constant in our team for five odd years, and our whole defensive system is about playing offside. He was lost, um, and I think that's kind of not helped by this false midfielder thing. Um, he played miles onside there. Uh, Matic can't catch up. And Kelleher, maybe if he was boring in... Rotation, obviously missed the last Europa League game, and I'm guessing Bazunu played for Ireland again. Um, I'm guessing David probably know. Um, so he probably hasn't played since the last game, um, or the League Cup game. I can't bloody remember what was first. Um, so he's been out for a little while. Um, but it also maybe the wrong show to beg the question. Could, should we have maybe sold him? Like, I'm not saying he's mm. awful, but will his value ever be higher than that League Cup winning season? Like, would we be like worse off if we were playing Yaros or uh, Allison Jr. in Pitaluga? Mm. It's, it's just a bit strange. I'm not saying we like these crap or anything like that. I just I don't think his value will ever go higher than it was a couple seasons ago. No, I, uh, I agree. I agree. I think this, this could be a case of the Nat Phillips, where we've missed out on the peak opportunity to sell him. Um, Quivine wasn't actually with Ireland over the international break because of his the injury right. he had. Uh, so Basuna did play both games. Yeah, it's just a strange one because I think 
look, we, we shouldn't need our goalkeeper to get through these uh, these games in the group stage. And say if it was Yaros Pitaluga, Russian, not Polish goalkeeper number twelve, whoever, we'd probably be bringing Allison back in for the harder games in this competition anyway. If say if it's a Man United or Sevilla or whoever the hell drops down, um, it's just a bit strange. We could have probably got considering the prices goalkeepers were going for this summer. I mean, look at Man United, 55 mil for Onana. Um, Vicario is probably the only one who's been good value for money. Um, so we probably could have easily got 20 mil for him. Upgraded Yaros, who was very good in the under 21 euros, if I remember correctly. Um, then we could have built his value. It's not a big criticism. I'm just wondering if that, probably would have maximised our money in terms of making our academy more self-sufficient. But anyway, it's a small great, but I think he should have saved it. And he probably would have saved it if he was a bit more a uh, bit more in practice as well. Yeah, possibly rhythm is 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 uh, crucial there in terms of, of a goalkeeper or any footballer. Um, and it is, you know, I'm aware excessively harsh that we're focusing on, on him conce- conceding that he does have a bit of a cock up again later on. But apart from that, I thought he was decent enough on, on, on taking a few crosses and solid enough. But it is a really good point that you make. And, um, uh, I can hear Dave in agreement there as well. It's, it's, there is very, very high likelihood that he'll never be worth as much again, unless we go on another sort of cup. Uh, meander this this season and, and he starts to prove his worth again which you know stranger things have happened um, Dave I'm not sure if there's anything you want to pick up on from those opening few minutes but we'll just take the run up as far as Endo's goal and you can always dive back in if you want because after conceding it goes a bit flat for a while if we're being honest there's not a whole lot of a whole lot happening again um, until we see on 27 minutes Gravenberg cut in and shoots a low shot into the corner it's a decent dig it's well saved. Uh, uh, goes out for the corner. We get nothing from that. On 29 minutes, another um, bit of decent play by Gravenberg. This time, a through ball to Curtis. His shot is deflected over for a corner. And lo and behold, on 30 minutes, Harvey's cor- corner goes to Curtis, plays it back to Harvey, down to Trent, who's in acres. He curls one in from the right. And Endo comes across to meet it. And positions it beautifully it's a beautiful header really technically nice into the far corner uh you know the ball going sort of back the way it's 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 come from um into that corner and it's a really nice finish delighted for that kid delighted he's scoring a header of all things and it did sort of give us a little bit of 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 uh breathing room again where we could then go and start to show ourselves and within three minutes we're up again just in terms of the game up as far as that 30 minute mark and including Endo's goal I think you want to pick up on there Hello I'm here to annoy you I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. 
he presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. No, if I can just uh, go back, I fully agree with you on the the Jota goal. I think it is just a case of head down and go in the right direction and let's see how far we can get. Uh, I did enjoy you describing yourself as basically County Mead's answer to Milan Barros. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. The lads used to call me Hesky. Hesky is what I used to be called. <laughs> um, I, I think Callagher should do a bit better on the goal. I think, you know, he, he just seems a little bit kind of flat-footed. And it is what it is. Like I said, he hasn't played. Like, he doesn't get enough games. Um, so, it, you know, you don't want to be harsh on the kid. Um, but the, I thought, thought the Linga finished it really well. And then, like I said earlier, um, I, I thought Gravenberg kind of had a look around at about the, the 20 minute mark, 22 minutes in maybe, and just thought, hang on now. There's no Salah. There's no Virgil. Trent's over there, but he's not playing all that well. I might be the best player here today, lads. I'm just going to have a go. And he, he just started taking them on and they couldn't cope with him at all. The combination of technical ability, size, speed, the aggression he was showing, because I criticized him at the weekend because I felt he was too passive and too sterile in what he was doing. But tonight, it was like every time he picked the ball up, he was driving right into the teeth of that defense. And what I really liked was he was forcing the defenders to make the decision. Do I stay? Do I go out to him? Do I track this runner who's now going off my shoulder? Like, they were having to make those decisions, and he was showing that that patience and composure to pick the right option. And he picked the right option for this goal with that lovely pass uh, that you mentioned to Curtis. And I thought that really was what enabled us to step up a gear, was, was that kid just going, you know what, fuck this for a game of soldiers. I'm just going to have a go here. And I reckon I can, I can make things happen. And he does it on this goal. It's, it's a nicely worked corner. It's a lovely ball by Trent. Like you mentioned, he's, he's all the time in the world. Endo makes a great run and finds a lovely little bit of space in front of the crowd. But the header is outrageous. Like that is, that's Karlheinz Riedle circa 1997. Yeah. Like, that is a powerful... Because he has to generate most of the power on that and directs it really well. A really good goal. And what I loved was how happy all the team seemed for him. Curtis kind of hung back and waited to celebrate with him again after everybody else had come up and congratulated him. And the crowd were so happy for him. And they were chanting his name. And I thought before that, his performance was a little bit iffy. I thought after that, though, he roared into form. And I thought he was really good from there right up until the end. He was more forceful. Yeah. He was quicker to the challenge. He was pressing them higher up. He was turning the ball over higher up the pitch. Because before it, he'd kind of been almost hanging back and he was a half second too late. And that really seemed to give him that extra burst, almost like 
you know, because he's come from Stuttgart where he's he's been relegated a couple of times and they're, you know, a, a, a lower level of team. And I always wonder with players, especially older players like him, who get that move to a big club late on and it doesn't start all that well. I always wonder, do they get a little bit of imposter syndrome where maybe they start to think, maybe I'm not good enough for this level of football. And I thought, I thought that was creeping into him a little bit in the last performance we saw from him and tonight until he got that goal. And then it was like, I do belong here. This, I've, I've earned this. I'm good enough to be here. I'm good enough to play at this level, certainly against this lot. In fact, I'm better than this lot. So let me go and show it. And, and I thought he was really good from after his goal. So that, I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, that is great. And if if there's something to come out of that, if there's like two sort of awakenings for Gravenberg and Endo, that would be a marvelous result from this game in and of itself, if we're being honest. Uh, and you know, you're right. It, 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 he does start to just assert himself. You know, I heard you saying on your show during the week, you know, you, you were hoping that Klopper would just say to, to Grav, just, you know, go out and make stuff happen. And actually, that seems to be what he did. And whether he got that advice or not is completely different. But he did that. Um, and he's front and center again, Guy, when we go 3-1 up. Because it is Gravenberg who's at the heart of this goal. He's the reason for this goal. It's a fantastic driving run by him. Like, really good, positive ball carrying. And the ability to beat a man as well while maintaining possession. He just, he looks like the real deal, really kind of rolls Royce going forward. Um, he plays the ball into Curtis. Curtis has a shot, which he gets away quite quickly. It rebounds off the defender, off Curtis. I think they were looking for a handball as a result of this, which would have been daft. Um, but the ball then breaks from Curtis across to Darwin. Now, Darwin's closing in on the left-hand post. It's a near post for him. And as the keeper's going to ground, Darwin drives the ball into the roof of the net, top corner. It's a glorious finish, like really, really good stuff. The kind of thing that you want from your striker. Beautifully deliberate. Um, at least that's what I'm telling myself because we've seen Darwin do those kind of things and we know he has that in his locker, that kind of absolute class to do that. Um, I, I'm sure there will be people who will disparage and say he just put his foot through it. Maybe he did. Whatever, it ends up in the roof of the net beautifully. They did check the check it on VAR for a little while. Like I say, there was some talk about a handball. I can only assume it was Curtis. But the, book, the goal is given. And just to finish off, in terms of the incidents, they're not, there's nothing left. Uh, we do have a chance on 38 minutes. Um, there again, this is the problem. It's, it's, it's sort of a half chance for them. It, the ball is into way too much space. And that was a real feature of the first half for us. And I think it's because of the sort of lopsided nature of us when we get attacked. Um, in certain, um, sequences of play, depending on where, our players are positionally. Anyway, way too much space. The ball comes to Sierra. He's central. He kind of slices his shot a bit. It's a decent enough dig. And on another night, it could end up in the top corner. And uh, Keller is just waving at it. Um, it's not far wide. And then on 46 minutes, the only other thing of note was uh, watching uh, Darwin do a James Miller fall over as he headed for the corner flag on 46 minutes. Um, I think he was claiming the foul, but he just basically fell over himself. Um, a couple of things there. 
that I'm sure you wouldn't mind picking up on, uh, Darwin Nunes being one of them. Um, and if you want to reach back in and, and make a comment on Endo too, and anything else, anyone else you think is worthy of a mention for their first half show? Yeah, I'll start with Grav, um, cause he obviously started the, the uh, Darwin goal. I don't know who he reminds me of. Like, I know you've compared him in the past, Dave, to Yaya Toure, and I think if he plays as a, played as a 10, then I could definitely see that. But making those long runs from from deep in midfield, I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, the air I only saw the end of when he was playing a lot deeper, obviously. Um, Diaby maybe, but he was made out of Pringles. They they were deeper players. He's he's much yeah. more a middle third, final third player. The the notion people had when we signed him that he was going to be a six, they'd never seen him play before. Like. That's not what the guy is. If you, if you'd gotten him at 18, maybe you could have turned him into that, but it would have been a waste. I, I continually see the Paul Pogba shout. And I just don't like it at all. I, I can see why he's, he's tall. He's, he's elegant. He's, he's very, very technically gifted. But I mean, Paul Pogba is one of the most disappointing players in the history of the game who, aside from a World Cup, never ever showed anything like the level that his potential at 18, 19, 20 suggested he'd get to. So I really don't want Graffenberch compared to him because it, if he if he turns out to be another Pogba, he'll turn out to be another disappointment. So the reason I say Yaya is because Yaya was that type of player who would drop back to around the halfway line, pick the ball up, spin, and he would just drive at the defence. And I think Gravenberch has that same type of forward-thinking mentality. Like, with guys like Vieira, like, he would spend so much of his game breaking the, breaking up play. He wasn't a frequent ball carrier. He was good at it, but he would often give it and then make that run off the ball, that powerful run through the middle. Uh, the Yaya the one is one. He does the shades of Milinkovic-Savage as well. In terms of the, the size, the elegance, the strength. <clears throat> Again, if he gets, continues to show the aggression he showed tonight when he has the ball, that forceful nature, I, I, I can see that. I think he's a bit more dynamic than, than Milinkovic Savage. But I mean, no one has ever doubted the lad's ability. Like that's never going to be a question from when he was 16. You could just tell this kid is just about as naturally gifted as a midfielder can be. It, it will all come down to what's between his ears. But to see to see him driving at that pace, using mm. the strength, but with the, to to combine that with the grace that he has on the ball, I and think it's that's the ability a really to good... dribble with both feet, Trev. Like he's yeah. he's it's taking unique... touches with both feet. That's that's very rare. You know, it's a strange combination. I, I I can understand why you know you we'd be flailing about looking for a comparison because there aren't many. I mean, it, there's times there where he that carry that he that he did um, for the goal. It was like he he looked as comfortable on the ball as Thierry Henry. It was it was remarkable. It, the, it, it, the size and eloquence is just very rare combination isn't it it is it really genuinely is um in terms of 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 what was left in there in that in that first half then guy back to you anything else you wanted to pick up on or anyone else you wanted to mention um just for darwin on the goal it's a really nice finish as you say who gives a shit if he if he if it's the cleanest finished or whatever we saw later on (laughs) take take an extra touch if you want to score an easy goal 
why not just fucking put your foot through it um, in situations like that? But no, the keeper had no chance, and, and Darwin was excellent. I can't remember what half it was in when Darwin chased lads back into our own half. I think it was the no, that was the second half. Oh, this is the second half. That's coming up. Yeah, that's coming up. That's a highlight. Yeah. Yeah, that is a highlight. And actually, we, what, <laughs> we actually just pressed straight on into that second half. Uh, because, uh, Darwin's just front and center for so many things here. I think it's in the opening couple of minutes, uh, that where Darwin goes down, someone puts a, a hand in his face and he goes down like he's been shot in the head. And at one point he spits on his hand. I can only assume to see if there's blood in his spit. Uh, either that, or he's just got a really weird habit. Uh, but he's doing it in front of the referee. But as the first half opens on 46 minutes, we could be, uh, another goal down. Suazo has an open goal. It's, it's a pretty awful Queeving Keller clearance that gets intercepted. The ball is squared to Suazo. Uh, and with the whole goal to aim at, with the exception of Trent, who's standing there in a part of it, he manages to hit Trent. Uh, and I mean, congrats and well done to our captain on the night to get back and be there. Um, if it was Jimmy Milner, they'd be singing songs of praise about him for years. Uh, you know, he'd be getting medals pinned on his chest. So well done to Trent for that. Absolutely no doubt about it, but it's a terrible, terrible miss. And it, it should be. It's an atrocity be, of a miss, Trent. It really is. Like, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's a, the it's thing a is, Trent makes the decision for him before he kicks the ball. Trent goes left. Like, yeah. all he has to do then is roll it to the other side. Trent has already said, well, I'm going to block this side. You go that side if you want, but I'm going to block here. I, it's woeful. It's absolutely... And the poor lad, that he was actually having a decent game, and that finished him. That absolutely finished him. Yeah. They couldn't get him off quick enough after that. It was dreadful from there on. Bless his heart, you know, and, and we did see a couple of little bits and pieces in terms of, of, um, uh, incidents as well. I, I really liked, there was a moment where Joe Gomez got across the cover after Trent had lost the ball, um, in the right, on the right side and, and, and Joe got back in a lovely way, sweeping across, cutting out the danger. And that's what you want to see. Um, I was on the 50 minute mark. And then the thing you were talking about guy happens in 52 where Darwin's tracking back and, and, and making his way back to our goal. And he kind of relaxes and he gets a man on shout from the cop and from everyone in the, in the, in the stadium, if we're being honest. And he's just about gets there uh, to the ball without it being intercepted, spins and starts driving back up the park. And the Nunez, Nunez shout start. This kid, and it's worth, it's worth pointing this out because his biggest moment of, 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 of love is yet to come. It, it, you know, uh, that's going to happen on 64 minutes when he does the most typical Darwin thing ever. But it's worth mentioning, Guy, at this point that this kid is beloved. I, I've, I've, it, you've rarely seen the stadium take to a player like they've taken to Darwin Nunes. He, the kid can do no wrong. It's, it's actually, it makes me smile almost every time I see him. I, I love that part of it. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure it must piss some lads off like Gravenberg later on. He scores his goal and the whole stadium's chanted Nunes. But just in terms of things like that, the little incident you mentioned there where, uh, the, the whole stadium's talking to him and he does something that makes the whole stadium smile and start chanting. It, it is a, it's a rare thing to see these days, guy. It really is like, it's, 
maybe less so at Liverpool because we've got players like Dominic. Um, we've had like Sadio, Bobby in recent times, but football's more and more and more and more robotic than ever in this Pep Guardiola era of autonomization. Let's go with that word. I've invented a word. Um, and then you've got Darwin Nunes, where it's just like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a ball. I'll do it. Um, I, he is like last season was a proper weird season because let's be, we were shit. He he could not do much to help us not being shit last season. We had issues in every other position, so he couldn't really do much. But he did kind of get on people's nerves because we were crap and he kept missing easy chances. Whereas this season, we're good. And he's already saved us a few times. The Newcastle game, obviously the big one. Um, But you can see him learning as well. Like, I think the big thing last season was we couldn't press for many reasons. Obviously, the midfield being corpses didn't help, but... When he was up front, it was so easy to play past us, whereas this season, and leading it back to chasing back, that's pure Bobby shit. Like, we saw Bobby playing in our own half, defending so often, and doing stuff like that, it's almost akin to Robbo chasing down like goalkeepers in his first season. It's stuff like that is why we love our players so much, and we are almost the least robotic team at the top of the league, I'd probably say. Like, Arsenal's becoming robotic, Man City, looking hell, might be fucking Robocop over there. Um, Chelsea, who gives a shit? Newcastle, nah. But I just, that's why I look, I think that's why we may have a bigger connection than other teams, because, ooh, a nice period of play where it's interplay by Pep Guardiola. Or do you want to see Darwin Nunes fuck up an open goal with <laughs> Foster grab a bit? I know what I want to see. I want to see missed open goals. Uh, but no, I do love him. He pissed me off at times last season, but this season, the fact that he's learning as well, it just I think it's obviously annoying when people compare him to Haaland, but any other striker in the league, I, I wouldn't trade him. I wouldn't even think about trading him. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs Mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. 
I think that's a great shout that uh, Dave, that guy makes there that, that this kid is learning and you know, it, it, it's, it's, you can see him starting to, um, really grow into this task that he's, he has, uh, as our, as our number nine. And it's, it's exciting, man. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm absolutely just for the record. I'm not standing aloof saying, Oh, look at them all chanting for Nunes. I'm one of them. I absolutely love this kid. And it is kind of irrational. Do you know where I'm going with that? Yeah. I mean, there's two moments that kind of, well, there's three moments that sum them up. There's, there's the goal he scores, which is a really good finish from a narrow angle on his weaker foot. There's the moment where he bursts back into into midfield to win the ball back for us, then falls asleep, nearly loses the ball, then comes alive again, keeps the ball, beats a man easily and lays it off nicely. And then there's there's the Gravenberg goal. Yeah, um, let's just let's just talk about it because in between there, I'll just build you up because in between there. Endo does a, 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 a bit of uh, impressive stuff on 53 minutes, drove into the box, pulled a shot across the face. And then there was Darwin and Gravenberg and Darwin trying to get in and Gravenberg's deflected shot. Uh, there was a Joe Gomez foot in, which was a decent opportunity for them, narrowly wide of our post. Um but now Gravenberg slowly really sort of emphasized put, putting putting his his stamp on this game on 60 minutes another great touch by Gravenberg and a good shot well saved then Curtis fluffed a glorious through ball by Joel Matip on 63 minutes and on 64 this moment which is the third of the Darwin highlights you were talking about Again, Endo's involved. He plays Darwin in. He drives a goal. He beats the man. He goes round the keeper. He's sort of slightly off balance. He has a lot of goal to aim at, and he manages to hit the near post. The ball breaks across, of course, comes to Gravenberg, who does well. He goes past the keeper as well and finishes between the defender and the post. It's a good little finish by him on his left foot. So there's lots to talk about there, but pick it up where you, where you were le- leaving off there with the Darwin thing. Yeah, I mean, the ball gets played through to him and he, he shows a good burst of speed to get to it. And then it's the footwork oh. to, to beat that defender. Like that is, I, I can said, said when he set up the Mo goal at the weekend, that is prime Torres. Yeah. That the, the quick feet, the control is just, it's gorgeous round the goalkeeper. Again, it's very Torres-esque in full flow. You just want him to take an extra touch. Just take a touch and then you've got a simple tap in. As it is, he's stretching and just can't wrap his foot round it quite enough. It comes off the post straight to Gravenberg and he does really, really well. It's, it's outstanding composure, beats the keeper. I felt really sorry for the keeper because like, he didn't have a bad night. He, he had one flappy moment from the low Gravenberg shot, but other than that, he, he did quite well. And he just, he just got, got beaten five times because we were just kind of relentless at different points in the game. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really good composure from, from Ryan and a really good finish. But if, if Darwin had scored that, like that is, there's, there's goals Nando got that are, that are that same goal. And it would have been one for, one for the catalog, I think. But look, it, at the end of the day, he can take the positives out of it and he can laugh it off because A, it didn't cost us at all and B, we still scored. So, you know. It's still, it's still him doing number nine things that led yeah. to a goal. So, yeah, I mean. 100%. You kind of take that. And I, I, listen, 
people might think it's 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 slight slight hyperbole but i agree with you completely there about the the movement it's i haven't seen anyone move like that with the ball since nando and mm. the way he beat that defender was the most fernando torres thing ever like you say torres has a back catalog of goals where he goes by that keeper and that ball's in the net and that's all there is to it and maybe that side of things will sort of only improve as things go along for Darwin too. Um, I, it, it, I take your point. It would have been just a picture book goal and one for the, one for the, 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 uh, the annals because of the defeat. The best description of it here from Ivor Hanrahan, Liverpool Torres-esque in the lead up, Chelsea Torres-esque execution, which, which <laughs> yeah. is pretty good. But like yeah. it was, it was just like that quick little, Flip flap thing around the defender, sits the defender down, no broken momentum round the goalkeeper, one more touch, and then you can just slot it home. Those moments, like there's that famous Lewandowski story when he says Klopp told him to slow down, mm. not to do everything at a million miles an hour. When when mm. Klopp gets that through to Darwin, this kid is like the, the raw materials are all there. Well, and he's certainly he's right certainly there. doing the ball, but the ball carrying thing mm. with that with that sort of because that wasn't a feature, wasn't it? If we're honest, lads, that was a feature of him in the past was sort of hair on fire movement with the ball. Whereas now, again, you think you you, you mentioned that the 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 assist for the Mo goal, it's just cruising. It's absolutely smooth. It's beautiful to watch. Yeah, it's measured. It's measured, yeah. and and that's if he gets that into his finishing as well, he's going to be one of the best strikers in the world. That's a fact. We have uh, some incidents left, but honestly, the game's pretty much over at that point and gets broken up by all the constant substitutions. And Guy, we'll take it through to the end ourselves here because we bring on Cody and Kwanzaa and Scanlon for Darwin and Trent and Chambers. I think that's the three for three at that point. Joe Gomez takes the captain's armband. Then Mo comes on. He takes the captain's armband. Harvey Elliott picks up the first yellow card of the entire game in 74 minutes, which I guess is, is, is an, an interesting and notable thing in and of itself for a game of football in the year of our Lord 2023. Um, it, Definitely goes a little bit flat and Scanlon does get caught out a little bit on 77 minutes, but it is a bit of a shit ball to him by Endo for being perfectly honest. Scanlon's touch is infield, which is kind of dangerous on his part, but it is a bad ball and he, it gets intercepted. But to be fair, Kelleher does well and kind of has his own sort of little redemption moment there on that. Uh, like I said, it had gone a bit flat, but we bring on McConnell for Curtis on 88 minutes. And uh, McConnell had about two or three touches. And I thought they were all great. I was really, really impressed with the positivity he showed. Same with Scanlon. And at one stage, they were our left side there at one point. And it looked really, it was, it was exciting to see these kids come on and do quite well. Um, Scanlon put it, at least one good foot in and a decent crossover uh, within a minute or two of uh, each other. Joe Gomez has a long shot in 91 minutes. And then you were talking about this earlier on. It is Salah getting his uh, stat pad goal on 92 minutes. A great drive by Jota again. The ball goes into Cody Gakbo. He can't quite get it out of his feet, but the ball breaks to Mo. Mo very deliberately shifts the ball to his right foot. And most people are going, oh, no, that's his standing leg. Uh, but... He finishes it beautifully um, with the instep in off the underside of the bar just for a little bit of added drama and picture book quality. And look, 
for all that Toulouse did carry a threat guy, you mentioned it earlier on, the difference in quality was just so stark when we decided to go through the gears that again, it's, it's, it's another result that doesn't flatter our, our lads. Possibly you could say that they could have had maybe five, three would be fair enough. But I, I, at, at the end of the day, I'm always going to take whatever the hell we get it, it, because I think there's a lot of good footballers trying to play a lot of good football. And when you consider the disjointed nature of the team from the start in terms of how often has that 11 played together and then the big changes that we made and we still continued to try to do a few things and we got that fifth goal and I, you know that makes a big difference psychologically to Salah that's why he came in the freaking field guy these things matter uh, these are they might be incidental things to some people but that's the reason he took the field tonight was to get that goal I think it's a really important little thing um, so just in terms of the last chunk of the game then anything you wanted to pick up on or anyone I've left out who should have gotten a little mention or whatever you think you want to talk about uh, just to summarise why Mo Salah came on the field uh, Mo Salah has now scored the most goals for an English club in European competitions overtaking Thierry Henry. Wow. I'll, just, I'll repeat that last name. Thierry Henry. Wow. Not, not your Eden Hazards, who you get to compare to every week. Um, not your Cristiano Ronaldo's. I know he left, but this bloke, like I know it's the Europa League, and that's not probably the competition he wants to do it in. But this is his only time in the Europa League, and it will be his only time in the Europa League at Liverpool. And he might as well come on and disrespect the tournament, especially like he did in the last game where he just came on and went, yeah, I'll do this. Um, But people still underrate this bloke. Like, he was he was shit when he came on tonight, let's be honest. He scored a nice goal, but he didn't get involved at all and looked like he was just having a nice wander about till something fell to him. Um, mm. But those numbers, 43 goals for one team, um, and considering where we were when he joined, like, I know we got to a Champions League final in his first season, but we didn't click till Virgil joined in that January. Then, obviously, we became one of the best teams in the world for two years, getting to two consecutive finals. But since the day he joined, we've been a mixed match of fucking excellent to what we were last season. Like, we've not been Man City all this time. We've not been the best team in England for all that time. So to have that record in the Champions League performing on the biggest stage year after year after year after year, it it just... He won't. He won't get the praise from from other other fat from neutral fan bases, but he'll still get compared to lads like Hazard, who scored about fucking eight Champions League goals and shit yeah. like that. Yeah. He, he doesn't get the respect he deserves. And Henri's obviously, I think, undisputedly the best Premier League player in history. Certainly, is to most people he probably speak to. And Salah needs to be in that conversation. Hopefully, he gets more cups before he leaves us, and then we can drive that conversation a bit harder. Um, but this bloke, undisputedly the best right winger Premier League history, um, and people need to start putting more respect on him. But goal, scoring with his right foot, lovely finish. I think he took a smidge of a deflection, um, but it's fantastic. And he's still he's still underrated by the, the vast majority of people, I think, outside of Liverpool fans. 
Yeah, it's remarkable to be able to say that, but it's true. Um, and um, I don't know what that is. I'm not 100 sure what that is. I've got some dark suspicions about some of it, but it's it, it's it's I, I, Liverpool fans. I hope are reveling in this season because we don't know if this is going to be the last time we see him and our, our last opportunity to watch Mo. Um, I have a sneaking suspicion he may stay on if we are successful this season. So that's as much of a reason for us to hope to win a few big pots as any other one. And what I'll do, guys, I'll come back to you to finish the show in a second if you want to um, be thinking about a couple of last-minute thoughts or if you dig up any interesting stats or anything like that for us. And, Dave, let's you and I finish with getting your final thoughts and wrap-ups on the game tonight and where we stand and anything else you want to throw into the mix. No, I think we've covered it. I think it was just a fun game in which we were, you know, clearly the better team, but they gave it a good go. You give them a lot more credit for coming and having a go than you would a team like Everton who came with the sole intention of spoiling the game of football. Um, we got, like I said earlier, big performances from Gravenberg and from, from Endo. And it was great to see the two young left backs get, get their moments and Kwanzaa get, more minutes and Joe Gomez have a positive, a positive game. All in all, like, I mean, there's, there's nothing negative to take from, from that outing. Um, there's, there's lads that can do more and we know they can do more. Like we talked about Queeving. We know he's capable of better. Um, I, I kind of feel like he might be a really good candidate for a loan in January just to get him games and get him playing regularly. Cause like ultimately that's what he needs more than anything. Like, People say, oh, well, like, we, we, we need to keep him. That kid is about to turn 25 years of age. Yeah. And in his entire Liverpool career, he's now played 23 games. Mm. He's 25. Like, he'll, he'll get, what, one more game before his birthday? His birthday is the 23rd of November. And our fixtures, he'll play Bournemouth, so that'll be 24. He'll play Toulouse away, that'll be 25. And then he won't play another game until he, until he turns 25. Like, we, we were talking about Ireland briefly earlier, and if you just look at Gavin Basunu, uh, the current Irish number one, he doesn't turn 22 until February. And Gavin Basunu in his career has played 134 senior games of football. Now, admittedly, six of them were for Shamrock Rovers in Ireland, which isn't the same level of football. And, you know, a lot of them came in League One, but he's still playing. He's still playing every single week, and he's getting those minutes, and he's getting those reps. And by the time he's 25, the way Callagher is now, he's going to be approaching probably 300 games. Yeah. And and, and that's where we're we're losing out with Cueving Callagher. It's the same reason... We won't get good value for Nat Phillips. It's the same reason the only move he could get was a move to Celtic on loan, where he's currently sitting on the bench. Nat Phillips is going to turn 27 this season. And Nat Phillips in his career has only played 70 games. Well, 75, I think, with the games at Celtic. Like, players are not, people are not going to pay big money when lads aren't playing. They would have paid it for Nat in the summer of 21, off the back of a good run. They'd have paid it for Queeving off 22, off the back of those cup performances. They won't pay it because the lad's been sitting on the bench. Yeah, he was good. 
he might be good, but we don't know because we don't see him. Um, that's why, you know, like when Bournemouth or when, when Brentford needed a goalkeeper, they didn't come calling. When Brighton needed a goalkeeper, they didn't come calling. When Forrest needed a goalkeeper, they didn't come calling. Palace bought a goalkeeper. They didn't. None of them came calling at us. None of them came with an offer because the lad hasn't played enough. He's yeah, sitting on the bench. That's Last was, season, yeah. he played four games. Yeah, it's daft, really, when you think about it, that people had this expectation that we were going to get a Dom Solanke, Jordan Ibe style fee, uh, you know, sort of vastly more than probably what the player was worth at the time. Um, and yet there was that belief that we could do it. But I think you're right. I mean, well, certainly we didn't hear, did we, of any approaches? No. Yeah. No, and like the thing is, look, we might get 15 for him which I, I think is a pretty fair price based on what Basuna went to Southampton for. I think it's a fair price. But lads were talking about 30, yeah. 35. Like, it was unrealistic. It's stupid. And it just, like, we haven't been a particularly good selling club since, since Michael Edwards left anyway. But that's that's the last thing I'd say on it for tonight. Uh, as for me, two-footed uh, every day. Daily Red every day. There'll be a scouted before Forrest. We'll be doing obviously raw for Forrest, and you know we're we're moseying along here in the in the as as the evenings creep in and we lose the last of the good light. We lose the last of the good life, but you, like you say, we have an opportunity to be really, really um, uplifted by this team. And there's a lot of interesting games ahead. I know a lot of people have a lot of high hopes for them. And Guy, just before we finish, let's get your thoughts as well. And I think you want to plug just at the end of it, uh, just to wrap us up here. Um, only thing I forgot to mention, I should have mentioned at half time. I think Endo might be more of an eight. He certainly seemed more comfortable when he got forward. But well, that might be compressing in a deeper position. But maybe if we had someone behind him and we just let him run at people, I feel like that might be his best role. Which is obviously not the greatest when we bought him to be the six. But we obviously, I think we have him for three years. So if we do address that position, say January or the summer, I, I can see him being useful beyond the number six position if we just want to press like dogs at the end of a game or something like that. Mm. So I think that's interesting. Um, but in terms of plugs from me, um, pod-wise, I'll be on two-footed for half the show with uh, Dave tomorrow. We'll probably bring up Steve Bruce or some other Brexit manager. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I don't know when the League Cup game is, but I know Dave's agreed to that, so don't know what's wrong with you, Dave. Um, but I think that's next midweek, if I, if I remember correctly. So that'll be me back in the hosting chair for for a raw. Um, but in terms of the game, just really excited about Grav because I was worried about the lack of number six, but the way he treated, albeit a league on team, but a mid, uh, a mid table league on team, there's plenty of bad teams in the Premier League. Why can't he do, do that against Forrest at the weekend? Why can't he do that against Luton? He probably should have done it against Everton at the weekend, but to see that against a decent to lose team who won a cup last year, I feel like he's he's going to be able to do that against a lot of teams in the Premier League. 
I agree completely. I look forward to seeing it. I think we will see it. And there's a lot for us to be uh, hopeful about. A lot of players in that bench. We look forward to seeing in the next game. As the lad said, we'll be back for Raw, obviously, uh, for every league game. And Guy's going to step in for the domestic cups, for the hosting duties there. Make sure you're listening to Dave on a daily basis. If you're not, you're really missing out. Um, I know I do. And I genuinely, genuinely enjoy the experience. We will finish at a measly 65 minutes. What's happening to us, lads? 65 minute raw. What are we doing? I'm not sure. I've been Trev Downey. That was Guy Drinkle. That was Dave Hendrick. This is Raw. We'll be back with you very soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.